0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. You know, I believe that maturity has been more and more consistent. We're living in an age where the devil knows what we're vulnerable to with social media and all the beautiful positive things that come out of social media. But he also knows that our attention spans can become shrunk or diminished or dwarfed because of constant distraction and constant stimuli and constant entertainment. And so we've got to understand that uh, God isn't really doing anything new, although he says he does a new thing. It's not new to him. It's just a progression of what he's already did, did already at the cross. Can you say amen? And you can preach with me tonight, okay? Let's have fun together. You can shout, scream. The more you give in, it's like a bank. The more you put in, the more you get out. You can shout, scream, and you'll help me, okay? Because I'm an Afro-Aussie Asian. I lived in South Africa, Glendon for 36 years. And then Australia, mate, for 14 years. And Hong Kong for 15 years. So we're Afro-Aussie Asians. And we're now officially New Zealand citizens by faith. It doesn't mean it's I'm supporting the All Blacks when you play the Springboks. <laughs> I am faithful, <laughs> even though we get devastated all the time. I'm still faithful and believe one day the Springboks are going to win another World Cup. Amen. No one's going to say Amen except the South Africans. Now you're no longer South Africans. So you need to be honouring us, New Zealand. Don't talk about a lucky it was there back in South Africa. You're a New Zealander, It's Really lucky, yeah. Okay, okay. And so the truth of God's Word has got so many levels and and maturity has been established in deeper and deeper, more profound levels of truth. And, and what the devil's trying to do, and I'm not, I'm not being judgmental here, but you need a positive and a negative to get a flow of power, electricity. You can't just be positive, electricity won't flow. So be, don't be negative about the negatives, just be positive about the positives. But there, there is a sense in this earth today, and I've been around now in ministry for 41 years, there's a sense that's always been around. There's no new tricks from the devil. They're all the same old, same old. The devil's yesterday, today, and forever the same. And he doesn't change. He's been doing today what he did before. But there's this thing of um, uh, novelty and I've got to be entertained. And sometimes the kingdom of heaven is just sheer discipline and consistency anchored in freedom in the heart. And, the, and sometimes the enemy is stir- most of the preachers I meet and know of, they're doing a great job. They are leading well. They're la- laying their lives down. I, honestly, it's just a remarkable and churches, healthy churches around the world. We just see them all the time. But you know, please don't get your theology from Facebook. From people who've done nothing but preach stuff that's nonsense. And what they're doing, and God help them and God bless them and God deliver them and help us not to be unkind about it. But I tell you, they are praying as predators on, on, on people that, uh, that get bored so quickly that they're trying to use extreme doctrines or they take scripture out of context, which you'll hear about tomorrow how to rightly handle the word of truth. They take scripture out of context or they take a good doctrine and push it to an extreme. Where it's no longer helpful, but it, it's like weird and it makes people like weird mystical or weird. The, 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 listen, the way you judge a doctrine is by its fruit. Not how flashy the gifts are of the speaker. You judge it by the fruit. If people don't love Jesus more, if they're not more committed to the local church, if they're not committed to their marriage, if they're not committed to tithing and bringing offerings, if they can't make sacrifices or inconvenience themselves, if they're living with an obsessive narcissistic obsession, if they're living with me-centered, me, 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 that is a doctrine from hell. Because the kingdom of heaven is a prevailing pursuing to go deeper and deeper into the integrity of the eternal Word of God. And I said to you years ago that when you're been when established in truth, it's like walking up a spiral staircase where you're coming around and round to the very same old view again, over and over and over again. But as you're going higher, you're seeing things from a higher perspective, you're seeing things with greater clarity. Do not let yourself be bored with the central doctrines of Jesus Christ. Do not let yourself. Paul the Apostle warns over and over again. Colossians 2, he says, Hey, you've been, stay rooted and grounded and established in establishing Christ's love. These people coming with their Gnostic philosophies. It's kind of like a little bit of Jesus, but a strange Jesus. A strange eschatology. A strange, weird, anti-church, anti-leadership. Anti-everything except yourself. And they are, they are putting this poison out and it's toxic. Talk- toxic. and it's confusing people and I want to say that God is raising up stable secure men and women that are passionate consistent decade after decade I don't care if you jump in a conference I want to see you in 30 years time because I will be preaching in 30 years time Paul writes in Ephesians 4, and he warns people. You're listening too well now. You're making me take too long on my intro. I've got to get quicker. I'm only joking. All right. But but, but Paul warns, he says in Ephesians 4, he says, Christ gave those gifts, those offices, those ministries to equip the church, to establish the church, not to establish individuals. I love the strength of individualism in the West because I grew up in the West. But I also love the sense of community and family of the Asians. Because I'm incarnated into Chinese culture. Our church is 85% Chinese now. Most of them got saved through the, through the church, through Christ. But anyway, and so I understand this. And, but we, we've got to look through a prism of a kingdom culture that is about family. It's about local church. It's about a body. It's about our victories are your victories. Our victories in Hong Kong are your victories. Your victories are our victories. The church's representatives are your victories in this city of victories for all the churches. We've got to think that way. We're not just individuals, what's in it for me? We don't go church shopping to see, like like commercializing, what can I get out of this for me? That is a fickle culture. That's not rooted and established. Amen. And Paul says, those equipping ministries, their purpose is actually to establish people so strong in the unity of faith in the person of Jesus that we come to the measure of all the fullness of the stature of Christ and we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Did not say wind of heresy. Every wind of doctrine that keeps us infants, immature, childish. That he says is caused by those who lie in wait in cunning craftiness and deception. The Scripture says that. Now, if Paul was writing that today, he'd say, I am inspired by the Spirit. Because if you can't continue in maturity and in basic doctrine, like when you heard Chad preach last night, again, I've heard that message three times. i got blessed triple times again. I mean, when he came out in the Cubs uniform again, I laughed as much as the first time. It was, but if you listen to that teaching, brilliant. But think about it meat and potatoes. It's sound doctrine. It's scripture in context. It's feeding, it's inspiring, it's activating, it's supernatural. But it is not weird and it is not strange. It is self evident truth feeding and building up and establishing God's people. And so there are symptoms and there are signs that you're being established. You've got to keep going up and up and seeing truth at a deeper and deeper level. So one of the signs that you are established, one of the signs that you're becoming more and more established is that you don't react and respond to traumas or difficulties or pains or insults or betrayals in a worldly way. You start responding from an eternal perspective. Now, I'm not there yet, but I'm in process. Can you say amen? Amen. Sometimes I want to kill people. Sometimes I wish I was under the old covenant. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm not going down there. <laughs> Glenda could tell you. I oh, no, okay. But you know, when, you, when you're responding from an eternal reference point to things that before would have affected you in a negative way, you're learning, you're realizing that when something of difficulty or pressure or hardship or even trauma, everyone in this room has been through some sort of trauma. I'm talking about trauma. And when, you, when your perspective is an eternal perspective, like Paul was beaten, whipped, put in jail, hammered, churches taken from him, constant, attacked by rivers. I don't even know what that means. And he says, these are light momentary afflictions. They're not light. They're not momentary. They're terrible. They're traumatic. They should destroy a human being. No psychiatrist would call that normal and light. But because he saw it in the eternal reference point, That perspective framed his world with an infinite reference point that actually instead of destroying him with stress, stress can actually bring health to your heart, bring health to your body because your cortisol and adrenaline will combine at the right ratio. When you're in stress, if you take that stress and frame it with the big picture God, you are actually going to get stronger through stress and you can challenge your capacity and become more competent and consistent Amen. amen another thing you can see from romans 12 verse 1 and 2 or verse 2 where paul says do not be conformed to the pattern of this world now what he say? don't think like this world thinks what does this world think like i know because i was in the world for i only got saved at 23 and this world thinks according to the way adam thought adam fell what was adam's sin was it adultery no impossible there was no options only eve He couldn't even do polygamy thing. He only had one. He walked in the glory of God. There wasn't pornography. There wasn't any electricity around. He didn't rob any banks. There weren't any banks, thank God. Anyway, what was his sin? His sin was clear. Unbelief in the goodness of God. He was given everything, but he chose to listen to the lies of the seductive doctrines. That God's holding out on you. God's not good. That tree of good and evil will make you something. The, the way the world thinks is according to a lens of propaganda against the goodness of God. It takes scripture out of context. And now they want to judge. The world wants to put God in the docks, and we become the judge and jury of God's integrity. I'm telling you, this majesty, when he reveals, is so awesome, people fall on their faces and say, how dare we ever thought such ugly ideas about God. So he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in your thinking so that you can prove. Say prove. I want to prove these things. So that you can prove what is a good, perfect, and pleasing, and acceptable will of God. You can prove it. Unless your thinking changes, you can't prove it. So we know from Scripture, it's God's will that all be saved. We know from God's will, it's God's will that all be healed. All believers be blessed. Every local church thrive in fruitfulness. That the kingdom of God brings heaven and invades the earth and transforms nations so that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of His Lord and His Christ. So we're not sitting at the rapture bus stop trying to get out of the planet, but we're taking over the planet in the kingdom of God. Not aggressive. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout. So as your mind is washed more and more, the limitations are broken and you can do more and more of the will of God. As as God's eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking seeking those whose hearts are perfect towards Him or undivided towards Him, as that is happening, God is looking for those people whose hearts are not perfect, but they're pure towards Him. They really do love Him. They really are living for Him. They're not just trying to get from Him. They want to finish their assignment. When He sees that, the Bible says, He will prove Himself strong on their behalf. I don't want to live my life trying to prove myself strong to God. I want God to live his life proving himself strong for me. I need his strength. How many of you need his strength? So this issue of righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We, the, Gideon has asked me, speak on that. Be established in righteousness. And people go, well, I've heard that message so many times. That's right. Just keep walking up. Sing it deeper, more clearer, because actually First Corinthians chapter one says that Jesus is our righteousness. So righteousness is not some detached doctrine separated from Jesus. It's not a byproduct of Jesus. It says Jesus is our right? He is our righteousness. He is our holiness, and He is our wisdom. So when I talk about righteousness, I'm talking about being established in Jesus. So you can't get tired of the t- teaching on righteousness because Jesus is our righteousness. So, so let's so let's look at this. To understand righteousness, we must compare that with other ideas of righteousness. So the only true righteousness is, I see in scripture, is self-righteousness or God's gift of righteousness. Or well, let me put it this way. Inadequate righteousness, inadequate righteousness, or infinite righteousness, imperfect righteousness, or perfect righteousness. So, I'm gonna talk it from the position of inadequate righteousness versus infinite righteousness. So, righteousness is right standing with God. And the bolder you are in the revelation of righteousness, the more the miraculous will take place around you. Righteousness from heaven is your authority, your title deed to this earth. That's why the devil has no rights, no title deeds to this earth anymore. Because first Adam's fall was canceled at the cross. And now we are as ambassadors of the highest government in the universe. We are authorized to bring more of heaven to the earth through the gift of righteousness. If you try to operate with that revelation on the gift of righteousness, the accuser will come and remind you of things you've done wrong to disqualify you. But when you've gone up and up and up enough, you will begin to recognize that the gift of righteousness has established you in perfection in the eyes of God. Can you say amen? amen. So the gift of righteousness is your position and your position looks very different at times to your condition. This is your status, but sometimes your state doesn't look like your status. Any, any honest people here? Okay, so what you could call sanctification is when your condition starts looking more and more like your position. And the only way to change your condition is not relating to God from your condition, but relating to God always permanently from your position. If you try to relate to God from this, you'll never become, you'll never be changed. You'll never adjust. You'll never get victory over sin. The grace message is not to give license to sin. It's to set people free from the power of sin. It says that the law stirs up sin. The law is the power of sin. Amen. If you live from your condition to God, you're going to get stuck, bored, and be vulnerable to weird teaching. Like you don't sin anymore because you're righteous. Hallelujah. Strange, weird doctrines. No, your condition is very real, but your Father only relates to you from your position. And that kind of intimacy and boldness and authority to fulfill your destiny, it will transform your condition. Anyone tracking up with me? Okay, you guys, I know you're listening well, but why not you shout a little louder for me because it's late, I'm tired. Thank you. Thank like you. Just pander to my insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me give you two stories before bed. No, two stories. I, I've got I've got scriptures to read. Joe. Come on, Rob, hurry up. Shh. but two stories quickly I just want to give you inadequate righteousness and infinite righteousness okay this is what I believe the gospel is about this think of a court case this young man that's been charged for a terrible crime and uh, the parents are upset Uh, a daughter's been raped murdered whatever sorry that's probably a bit extreme so let me take that out of your mind but anyway anyway it's too late I know Anyway, as the case proceeds, the prosecutor's making such a clear case, forensic evidence is clear. Everybody knows the guy's guilty, and it's based on forensic evidence beyond any kind of reasonable doubt. And so right at the end of the trial, the judge says, the young man, stand up, sir. Before sentence is served on you, do you have anything to say? He says, no, I'm, you know, I've got nothing to say. He says to the parents, do you have anything to say? The parents say, judge, you've executed a, a, an amazing trial. It's been well done. And we are we are grateful for that justice. But now we want to exonerate the person. We forgive him and we ask that no charge be made against him. And 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 the guy walks out of that court case, and we think, well, that's great, he got forgiveness, which is fantastic. But actually, forever and ever, for all of his life, everyone knows that person for a murderous crime or some terrible crime. And he and that person lives with a stigma. I got forgiveness but I haven't got innocence. And I would say this carefully, but I think most Christians believe they've got forgiveness, but they don't understand they actually have innocence. Because the word, just having been justified by faith, all over the Bible, those that God foreknew, He predestined, He called, He justified, and He glorified. That's your destiny. That's what my book, It's Your Time to Shine. It's not about a little grace book that goes, let's just feel accepted. It's about get off your backside and change the world around you. Maybe go and live in another nation. Make a difference or make a difference in this great nation. Come on, can you say amen? amen. Justification is the Greek word dakonia, which means declared innocent, declared righteous, declared without any guilt. And it's final verdict from heaven. It's final. So when your father looks at your position... He sees that all your crimes were put on Jesus. He became your crimes. And all his perfection, and all his faithfulness and perfect obedience, that was transferred to your credit. So you are deconia. You are justified. You are declared innocent. You're much more. Forgiveness is good. That's the beginning. But you are much more than forgiven. You are innocent. You see, we are so identified with Jesus. Here we go. Let's go around again. Let's go around the truth again. Jesus is so identified with us on the cross. Jesus identified with us at our very worst so that immediately we can be identified with him at his very best. And there's no depth into darkness and depravity that Jesus refused to descend into on our behalf. So there's no height into his favor we cannot ascend to because God relates to us not on the basis of our performance but on the basis of Jesus's performance on our behalf and this is the constant position you're in remember last year I said God doesn't relate to you on the on the condition of your problems although he's sympathetic he relates to you according to the greatness he's calling you into that's how he called Gideon out of the well. I'm the least of the least. God said, I don't relate to that. I'm sympathetic. But until you hear, here, I only relate to you according to my assignment and the destiny. I love you. I'm a high priest who sympathizes with your weakness. But Gideon, you've got to get out that well now. Get out of your self-pity. Get out of your blame prediction. Get out of your victim mindset. I have an assignment for you. He said, well, God, why don't you relate to me with a little bit more sympathy? He sympathized so much. He died for you. Declared you innocent. So to stop looking at your condition and saying, I'm useless, I'm useless. I'm innocent, I'm righteous, I'm holy because Jesus is my righteousness. You were co-crucified with Christ, co-crucified. You were on that cross with Him. You were co buried with him. You were co raised with him. You have been co ascended with him. You are co seated with Christ in the heavenly realms at the exalted place at his right hand. You are a co equal heir right now of Christ, and you are co laborer together with Christ. Come on, what a position! That's righteousness. So, let's, we better look at scripture now, shouldn't we? We better look at scripture. I'm looking at the time. All right. I'm getting to go for an hour, Rob, so praise God. That's why I also told you where the exits are, so you can. <laughs> so let's compare inadequate righteousness with infinite righteousness. Because you have the righteousness of God. Your spirit as is, is as righteous as God is. Whoa. My behavior here isn't, but my position is. And the more I relate to God from here, the more this is going to change. And just this little thing I'm doing here can actually change your marriage. Because when two people are married in this condition, and that's where they think, they relate to each other from. I, I didn't say that. You can't tell your husband that. You, you may tell me you're in your position, but I don't like what's going on in the condition. There's who there, can't talk about that. You can't say, no, dear, just be quiet because I'm in my. Now, that's your vertical relationship. <laughs> but your horizontal one, it does have consequences. Anyone tells you that sin has no consequences? They're insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll stuff your marriage up. Yeah. Yeah. You sleep around. Yeah. 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 I have the fear of the Lord and mostly the fear of Glenda. I've never committed an <laughs> altar in 44 years. <laughs> No one is sexy enough to, to, to tempt me when I'm got. <laughs> I'll wake up and see you standing over me with a pile of petrol and matches. Go, <laughs> ha That's to your position, you're going to direct your position right tonight. You're going, I'll change your condition too. You know, a little bit of a health, healthy New Testament fear of God is good. The word fear of the Lord is in the New Testament several times. I have a reverence for God. I, I live daily with, a, with a, a, and a sense of accountability that I must finish my race. Yeah. Yeah. It's not God's choice for me to finish my race. He's already made it. It's my choices I make on a daily basis. And small choices are very big when they they accumulate after decades. And you find as you keep making good choices, uh, you'll find as you get older, life will actually get happier. You don't have to grow up to be a grumpy old man or woman. You can grow up to become a child. Now, I don't have time to tell you why God introduced the law, but I'll just tell you from Romans 5, verse 20, it said He introduced the law to increase transgression because He wanted us to see that we are in a condition of death in 1 Adam. So He put the law on us because we're self-righteous or deluded and everyone in New Zealand and everywhere in the Western world when there's a funeral, they've all gone to heaven. But I'm sorry, if you're not born again in Christ Jesus, you're dropping into a Christless eternity. Therefore, evangelism is a wonderful assignment. Can you say Amen. And this universalism is from hell. It's nonsense. People under the law would never believe such rubbish, but grace people, oh, that sounds so good. God doesn't have unholy tantrums. He doesn't have an anger problem. He didn't get therapy in the old covenant and then in the new he became a NASCAR. He's <laughs> not a semi senile Santa Claus. Leaning over the banister of heaven, hoping someone in New Zealand might believe in him. He's a holy God. We're at the climax and consummation of the ages. He's wrapping up history in Christ Jesus. And everything out of Christ and everything out of a local church is meaningless. Yeah. Stupid. It's just eating food, passing it through your body, growing old and <laughs> He's like, I can't wait for a retirement. What for? So I want to pick up seas- seashells on the side of the shore. <laughs> You're going to heaven. There's nothing wrong with picking up seashells. I did this morning. I did that in front of Gideon and Catherine. I picked up a seashell. And I love sport and all that. But nothing should ever compete for the honor of the glory of our king. Nothing is too big sacrifice. And he never asked us to do things that that, that would destroy us and destroy our family. But God's a perfect parent. Apparently, Freud would have had a problem with him. Because his two kids didn't turn out that well. I've seen some parents parent really badly. The kids turn out really well. I've seen some parents parent really well. And the kids turn out badly. And don't make your kids idols that are more important than Jesus. And don't let them manipulate you. I'm going to go to church Sunday morning. I just don't feel like it. Just show them when they're young the value. Not we have to because it's under the law. Show them the value show them that they've been established in the word of truth they're meeting community they're working it out they're worshiping God together so they can be empowered for family life during the week amen don't get into this rut of well we go to church once every four weeks that's okay it's acceptable because we're now in 2019 to hell with 2019 I don't mean I don't mean that literally for this year I just mean that thinking in 2019 it's amazing when people are sick, they will line up for, for days for doctors. They'll pay all kinds of money and they'll vote the politicians who give you good health care. Yeah. They'll do everything. They'll make any sacrifice. But for Dr. Jesus and the kingdom of God, yeah. oh, no, no, that, that's going to mess up our family. We're too committed now. No one will pass from this, this earth going, oh, I regret that I took so many risks for Jesus. Most people, if they're not careful, will die going, Oh, I wish I'd have taken more risks. I wish I'd invested more. I wish I had sacrificed more for the King of Kings. And if people tell you there's no rewards for faithfulness, they're deceived. Yeah. Just read the New Covenant. Is, I could start preaching a whole message. There are rewards. Everyone's gonna to get to heaven that's in Christ. But those who finish their assignment as faithful to their assignment in heaven, you're gonna get awesome rewards. I'm getting a mansion next to Glenda with interleading doors. <laughs> His would probably be bigger than mine, but anyway. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to finish this message, okay? But let, let's just make a quick comparison here. Oh, Lord, help me. It's, uh, <laughs> just lift your hands say, Lord, help him. Okay. A little bit of joy is not so bad right now. <laughs> Just take a joy break quickly. One, two, three. Give yourself permission to be happy. All right, by God's own opinion, the law covenant of Moses. And if you, if you realize there's seven covenants in the Bible, and the law covenant was a major covenant, and the Abrahamic covenant, it's in Chad's book, and the new, new covenant's everlasting covenant. Are you with me? And so no covenant starts until the blood of that covenant is spilt. Except the first covenant, which is if you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. Eat from the tree of life. So that was a covenant. It was a law covenant. If you do that, you'll die. If you do that, you'll be blessed. So no blood was spilt there because no sin had come yet. But straight after that blood was spilt. So no covenant is established until the blood of that covenant has been spilt. Stay consistent with Scripture. We honor everything Jesus said before the cross. We really do. Take it serious. But make sure you realize who he's talking to. Because on the day of Passover, the day he's about to be crucified, he doesn't say this is the blood of Passover. He says this is the blood of the new covenant that's going to happen. That day he's going to be crucified on the day of Passover. So the new covenant does not begin until the blood was spilt. And Jesus keeps speaking in the new covenant. He's talking to all the, the writers of Scripture. He talked to Paul. They heard him audibly. But he was, and, and he said things in the new covenant that contradicted things he said in the four Gospels. Is he, is he contradictory? No, he honored covenant. And so he's addressing self-righteousness under the old covenant before the cross. Because I've, I've seen too many Christians messed up because they're trying to obey some of the things Jesus said. Like pluck your eyes out, cut your hands off. If you just look and you see, ah, ah no, it's too late. You saw, now to see with lust is equal to adultery. Wow. So you pull your eyes out, cut your hands off. Close, you've got, you can't see anybody now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then you think about it. Okay, that's a death sentence. What Jesus was doing is making it impossible for people to keep the law based on their self-righteousness. And Romans 8 makes it very clear around verse 3 that that because of our weakness, we could not fulfill the law. But in Christ Jesus and grace, we will fulfill the law and do more. Amen. So being not under the law doesn't mean, oh, we just live lazy, self-centered. It actually means we live, Paul says, I work harder than all the apostles not I, but the grace of God works in me and I am what I am by the grace of God that's another promise to quote isn't it I worked harder listen when Gideon's walking around going man this is amazing I've got nothing to do in this church everyone's doing everything I said to him Gideon don't complain he's not complaining but don't complain about it many pastors dream of that and never see it you are living in the dream now and you're still a young man and Catherine That's what it's about. Volunteers. Grace and activated confidence in people to say, here I am, I'm going to serve. That's what grace does. You work hard in grace. You give yourself in grace. Amen. And then you don't feel guilty about a good holiday. You don't feel guilty about fun, taking time out to refresh yourself. Anyone say amen. All right. So God's opinion of the old covenant law is that it's a weak and a useless covenant. Now, if I said that, it would be wrong, but God said that. So scripture cannot be controversial if it's in context. So let's look at that. Let's look at that Hebrews 7 verse There we go. Let's read it together. In Hong Kong, the Chinese people read it out loud with us, although we read in Cantonese and English. So it takes a long time. Let's read it together. One, two, three. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So... It's a weak and useless covenant. Now, it's incredible that people will mix the old covenant with the new covenant and live in a kind of a religious schizophrenia of double-mindedness. Are we under the law? No, we're not under the law. Are we under the old covenant? Now, praise God for the old covenant. It's full of shadows. Let's study the old covenant and study the whole Bible. Say amen. Read from Genesis to all of it's God-breathed and all of it is useful. Never say we don't need the old covenant. You need to read the old covenant. It'll help you see the substance. Amen. But God says, in terms of righteousness, it is weak and useless. Are we under the old covenant still? Listen, God said it's weak and useless. Now let's read uh, uh, Hebrews 8, verse 6, the new covenant. One, two, three, go. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. Hey, I want to walk in a covenant that's not weak and useless. It's a superior covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. It's made every other covenant redundant and put an end. Now, why is the old covenant weak and useless? Was God weak and useless? No. Why is the new covenant superior? Because we've evolved to a higher level? No. It's the issue of intrinsic and extrinsic. I know they're big words, but you all know them because we're going like this. Intrinsic means it has to happen in you first. So the law covenant is if you do something good first, then God moves. If you move, then God will move. It's up to you. Your performance will determine what God does. You earn and deserve it. It's intrinsic. It's entirely reliant on you. The law is not based on faith. The law is reliant on doing the law. And if you want to keep the law, you must do all the law perfectly all the time before you get blessed, all of it. Otherwise you get cursed. So the old covenant is weak and useless because it's based on what human beings got to do. And when we do it without faith... Not based on faith, Galatians 3.12. It's based on relying on the law. When we rely on the law, then we've got to have a weak and useless covenant that if we do something and it's good, then God does something back to us that's good. But the new covenant is superior because it's extrinsic. It happened totally outside of us. It had nothing to do with us. That God loves us so much that He didn't make a covenant with us. He made the covenant with the infallible Son. And he cut the covenant with his son. And the Holy Spirit administrates the new covenant. And we were included in Christ and made co equal heirs. So Christ's perfection that happened outside of us had nothing to do with us. Happened in Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Look at this. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to just read quickly. Well, let's go to let's go to Hebrews 10, verse 8 to 14. Here we go. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the sixth. Establish, say establish. Establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sound like we heard Brian Houston say recently, like when you're saved, you're saved. I've believed that since 1979. So you believe in eternal security? Well, what other security is there? If you truly born again, you are made holy once and for all. Wow, Rob, what do you mean? Okay, controversy in some people's minds there. Eh? Let them be renewed. Let's read a bit further then. Next verse yeah. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time, say all time, one sacrifice, say one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice, he has made... Perfect forever, those who have been made holy. Those who have been sanctified, the actual original Greek says. Perfect forever. How long is forever? Ever, never, and never. And said well Rob you just read a little bit further and it says that if you continue in in deliberate sin uh, 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 then uh, you will be uh, you'll face the wrath of God and the judgment of God for having once known the knowledge of the truth now you continue in deliberate in sin you're going to cross some line and then the wrath of God because you've trampled on the blood of Jesus and insulted the spirit of grace and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God that's what it says a few verses later What's the context? The context is the blood of the new covenant is superior blood. It has made you forgiven once and for all. And what are they doing? There are Hebrews that have heard the gospel from Stephen, from Paul and other apostles about the blood, about the new covenant, quoting from the old covenant, the promises of the cross and the Messiah. They've heard about that. They've got a knowledge of the truth and instead of being converted to Christ because of social pressure or other kinds of issues, they continue to go to the temple and honor the blood of bulls and goats. Temporary blood that cannot forgive sins, can only cover them temporarily, but once the cross has happened and the old covenant is finished even the blood of bills and goats can't cover you from wrath anymore for that blood is now redundant and they're choosing inferior blood and rejecting the superior blood of Jesus that is not generic sin that's a specific sin that they have done to insult the spirit of grace by continuing to go to inferior blood for forgiveness when the superior blood is it, is there, there's a good example of how I've seen people take that verse out and say, see, you can lose your salvation if you keep on sinning. It's speaking about specific sin, the sin of unbelief, in the blood, hearing truth. Re- light rejected is darkness embraced. A world of relativity runs around just, ah, I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel good. When light comes and you reject it, it's darkness embraced. Because this word is eternal truth. It's not fickle philosophies of today. Okay, you still with me? All right. Can you read a few more scriptures? You said I can go to nine o'clock, but I don't know. These guys have been working all day. Keep going? You want to? Man, you've come to the right place, man. You guys all need to move to Hong Kong. (laughs) I know you (laughs) would. All right, let's, let's look at, okay. You, you, you can take some more of the Word. That's amazing. Robert, was last when you are just preaching and fooling around. Now you're reading the Bible. No, it's the what we need. This, you said, but I've read these scriptures before. Well, you don't, you don't say that about breakfast. You do say, I've had breakfast before. You see, you've got to go to high and high realms. You've got to build your life on the rock. You build your life on the rock. Jesus said, the other person built their life on the sand. Two guys in Christchurch. Live next door to each other? Go to different churches? Or go to the same church? One just as casual, goes when he feels like it, doesn't really listen to the word. Oh, I've heard that before. Give me, give me something more scintillating. Some, some, I want to know seven successful steps to circumcision. Step one, have a sharp knife. <laughs> like some weird. <laughs> like I want to know who the dragon is and the beast is. I want to know about what the left armpit of the vision of Nebuchadnezzar means. It's not going to help you in your daily life. When you're facing condemnation, the accuser's coming and reminding you of your faults, Nebuchadnezzar's armpit's not going to help you. And some people can make it look so exciting and, oh, I don't want to hear this gospel stuff anymore. Oh, left armpit of Nebuchadnezzar. Those five empires in that stretch. Oh. Yeah, it's good. It's all God breathed. Study it. But don't sidetrack it from the main thing. Every doctrine I listen to, like going into the courts of heaven, if the gospel's not the alignment in it, I, I, I don't want to change that. So I preach on going in the courts of heaven, but under the new covenant. Not going and searching your ancestry and repenting of bloodlines. And <laughs> I go to the court of heaven and get a verdict of innocent from the high court of heaven's integrity because of the cross. And I judge my adversary by the judge of all men and ask my God to deal with my adversary. Don't want to get into paralysis of analysis and introspect. I want to be looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Keep my eyes on Him. Stay in the position. Don't live from the condition. The, devil, the devil's going to take you in this place, but you, he can't touch you in this place. And you've got, to, you've got to just speak of your own life. No, I'm the righteousness of God. And keep going higher and higher all right let's look at this look at this in Ro- let's let's look at this in romans nine if, if you don't pursue the gift of righteousness by faith but if you pursue it by the law you're going to get messed up in your condition so let's just read it romans nine let's read one two three go what then shall we say that the gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it a righteousness that is by faith say by faith, by faith. i have to have faith to believe i'm righteous and I don't run around doing weird things. Honestly, I don't. Because of the fear of Glenda. I've lived a, a pretty, like a 40 years. Some people say it's so boring. No, it's not boring running, flying around the world, leading a local church in Hong Kong. and nation. It's not boring, but it takes discipline. I can't sell this inheritance for some stupid little sin. No. No, there's no, you know, people that, well, let's inspect and investigate. Well, come and inspect and investigate. There's no, there's no fear. But when I say, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying I perform perfectly, but your life changes. I still have trouble with barking dogs. I want to go kill them. <laughs> In Hong Kong, I've tried a few times. No, I didn't. I didn't try to kill them. I just did kill them. No, I didn't. Yeah, I got triggers and God's dealing with that. Can you say amen? amen. Well, what shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith. Have you got faith that you're righteous? Amen. takes faith. Even to believe your wife is righteous. No, so, okay, let's go on verse. <laughs> let's read the next verse. Oh, what happened there? We went from. We missed some scriptures, doesn't matter. Christ, we're at this time of night, doesn't matter. Christ is a combination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. It says that the Gentiles did not pursue righteousness but obtained it by faith. But Israel who, who, who pursued righteousness did not obtain righteousness because they pursued it not by faith but by the law because Christ was a stumbling block and an offense to them that righteousness is a free gift and not earned and deserved. And so it goes on there from verse, in Romans 10, if you read verse 2-3, it actually says that, Paul says, Man, Israel is so zealous, but their zeal is without knowledge. For they do not submit to God's gift of righteousness, but go about trying to obtain their own righteousness. And let's look quickly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. This is Jesus speaking before the cross. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now these guys were fanatics about the law. swallowing camels and no. They were fanatical about it. And Jesus said, if you're not more righteous than them, you won't go to heaven. You won't see the kingdom of heaven. So people think they can be righteous by the law. Jesus said, you can't actually get righteousness by the law. You better be better. You better have a better righteousness than imperfect or inadequate righteousness. You need perfect righteousness. So let's quickly go to Philippians 4. Let's see the righteousness that a Pharisee that was relying on the law and, and how holy he thought he was when the revelation of Christ came, how his life changed. I don't know what it's like here in New Zealand. But I tell you, I am not anti-Semitic. I love Israel. I've been to Israel. I pray for Israel. I believe Israel's in the land by the promise and oath of God. But outside of that, the whole old covenant community is over and finished. It is finished. And so when Christians go and touch the holy wall or get baptized for the third time in the Jordan River because some anointing is going to come, it's like dishonoring the cross. When the Jew of all Jews said all of that that was great before the cross is dung. It's crap now. It literally is crap. It's a good Aussie word. It's not a swear word. The Greek there is dung. He says all of that racism that I had, Hebrew of Hebrews, superior because I had the law. He said all of that was good before the cross. Now it's dung. So, so when you come to Christ as a Gentile, when you come to Christ, Ephesians 2, you're no longer a Gentile. Now you're a new person in Christ. When a Jew comes to Christ, he's no longer a Jew. New person in Christ that's where the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile is separated. It says when the law is taken away, Ephesians two, It's in Christ, not in Israel, not in Jerusalem. Paul says in Galatians 4, the Jerusalem from below is in bondage and is producing slaves. We are of the Jerusalem above. Do I love going to Jerusalem? Yes. Do I love seeing the? the it's not the Holy Land anymore? We are the Holy Priesthood. We are the Holy Nation. Whether Jew or Gentile, male or female, we are one in Christ Jesus now. You see, as soon as we start mixing this up and thinking that Israel's got advantage on us with this racial superiority, it's God being selective when He has ordained that all be saved. And all are co-equal heirs with Christ. Amen? There's no more racism. If we preach the gospel, you can never produce gender bias or racism with the true gospel because the true gospel humbles all of us. It's crazy to think religion has produced such racism and gender abuse. Where the Bible says that Jew and gentle are made one in Christ. Male and female are made one in Christ. Can you say amen? When we mix all this Old Covenant community up and kind of impose it on the church, it really puts sand in the machinery. And it confuses people as to what righteousness is. Because Jesus said, if you don't have a better righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. So don't go looking at them to find out how to be righteous. Jesus is your righteousness. Look what Paul says. Let's just read it. I love reading this. I don't know why, but it's the naughty part of me. For I tell you, oh, okay, sorry, Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Should we read this together? It'll help you stay awake. One, two, three, go. For though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. Oh, big deal. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever against me I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He means lost all things of human pride and prejudice. And there is the false hero worship or worship of a nation. He's lost all of his pedigree and pride and position for Jesus. He didn't say I've lost joy and I've lost peace, lost the anointing. No, he's, Paul was blessed. But some people didn't want to go to the blood of Christ. They wanted to go to the temple for the blood of bulls and goats because of social acceptability. Paul lost all of that for Christ. I was climbing the ladder myself in the Hindu religion in the mid-70s, getting high and up, Sankitan vows, Hare Krishna, Bhagavad Gita, Shrimad Bhagavatam. Christ Jesus walked into Hindu ashram and said, Rob, that's enough. I'm Jesus. Come follow me. 43 years ago, I was climbing the ladder. They were grooming me. This is nonsense. My, my, my wife was so happy when I left. Because we had to be celibate in marriage. And she tempted me. <laughs> Are you willing to lose everything? Of all that worldly pride and prestige and accolades and political correctness? The religious, political, economic system called Babylon? Are you willing to walk away from that and be a simple follower of Jesus? As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, whose righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? And if you've got this righteousness, you can't be self-righteous about the people that are self-righteous. You, it's, it's very ugly to find a grace Pharisee You <laughs> feels superior. Like, I'm in grace. No, you're not. You're in disgrace. Grace people should be gracious. Now, Paul was very hard on people that intruded on the freedom of a grace local church. He was very strong. He wrote some very strong letters because he got very exercised because he knew you go down this path, even rebuke Peter to his face in front of others. It's pretty serious. Paul was exercised that if you get the gospel wrong, future generations are going to suffer. Amen, New Zealand, do we get this? We're not living for us. We're living for generations, not yet born. Some of us had to fight for territory harder because some of the people in front of us didn't pass the baton well. Others of us have had batons passed us very well. But I had no batons passed to me, no mentors when I got saved. Hindu, Christ, what do I do now. You just keep going for the next 40 years, 43 years. Go for the next 70 years. Come on, say amen. amen. Let's lose all this other stuff. It's baggage. All the weights, Paul said in Hebrews 12, that so easily beset you in the sin, that sin of unbelief and the weights. He said, throw it all off. Get rid of all the complications of this old covenant system and look unto Jesus. Jew and Gentile in Christ. Okay, Rob, shut up now and hurry up. Okay, verse 8: What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's where miracles flow from, faith, from faith, from your position. If you stand in condition trying to do miracles, it's very sad. But if you stand here, and I've seen people come out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open and deaf ears open, but it's from here. If you can do it from here, you can boast in yourself. But if you do it from here, there is no boasting. You boast in your weakness and you boast in His strength. Amen. Come on, say amen. Okay, there's so much more I want to do. I want to read one scripture and close. All right, I I just want to read that Colossians 2, if we go right to the end, in the Passion, Colossians 2, verse 13 and 15. I just love this. Well done. Thank you, guys, for set that whole thing up. I'm sure when they saw the list of scriptures, they thought, oh, no, this is going to be a long night. But anyway. (laughs) But I got permission from the authority. I encourage you to be out tomorrow when Chad's teaching. Amen. He's going to teach you how to, do, how to rightly divide the word, how to handle God's truth. So you're no more subject to this, to theology from internet or from Facebook. Now you can read the Bible without fear. The love letter of Christ. The perfumes on the letter when you read it in proper context. Any scripture makes you feel that cool, you're reading in the wrong context. Because the Word of God edifies and strengthens and encourages you. Amen. Okay, let's read this now together. One, two, three, go. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Good news. Verse 14, he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we were once in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. He cancelled out. Oh, there we go. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Come on, let's give him a shout, John. We honor you. Let's stand together. If if you stand, it stops me preaching. Okay, so stand. (laughs) So people jump to their feet there. (laughs) Wow. I so appreciate the way you guys have received the word here tonight. It's been honestly a delight. Catherine, can we have the wish? That last song he sang, I just love that. The words... (laughs) <laughs> thank you, thank you guys. Now, if your hands get tired, of course, you can put them down but let's just let 's just raise them to him now. You know faith is so easy in the gift of righteousness. you can be healed it doesn't need hands laid on you tomorrow afternoon, those who want we're going to activate and impart and release and not funny, weirdy stuff, but just supernatural for 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 practical life and if Effective evangelism and signs and wonders based on the revelation of righteousness. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want to be established much more in the revelation of righteousness. Because, because righteousness cannot, it has to be revealed. Paul says in Romans 1, well, I'm still preaching. <laughs> he says in Romans 1 verse 16 and 17, he says, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For in the gospel, I'm quoting it correctly. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed didn't say righteousness from man or righteousness from the law it said in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed that word is important revealed you don't just get it by hearing teaching it has to be revealed for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed that is by faith from first to last actually I left that apart It said first to the Jews then to the Gentiles the Jews got the first opportunity And I believe we're going to see a move of God amongst the Jewish people. Can you say amen? Lift your hands and say, Father, thank you. Establish me in the gift of righteousness. Let me live from my position, not from my condition. But if my condition is affecting someone else, help me to trust you to change in that area of my life. Now, I do not want to make grace an excuse to be selfish, to be unthoughtful to others. The horizontal is something you cannot ignore, but the perpendicular is guaranteed. And operate from that. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this place. Thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes and lifts burdens of shoulders. Thank you, Jesus, your fragrance and your aromas are life to us. We thank you for that intimate place, that secret place of the Most High. Right now, I thank you for that blessed presence that's been in this room the whole time. Overwhelm us in these minutes, Lord. I thank you, I'm righteous in your eyes for all time and all eternity.